Grab your Bibles. Turn to Exodus chapter 19. We are going to be in a lot of scripture this morning. Uh, so if you have a Bible, I, I would love for you to turn with me. I think something cool happens uh, when we honor the text and we read it together. Uh, the address will be on the screens, but we would love to just challenge you. Uh, turn in your Bibles with me, Exodus chapter 19. If you have a phone and you have the Bible app, that's lovely as well. Uh, it's all the same. So Exodus chapter 19, and we're going to hop through lots of scripture this morning. Before we read, I would love to share a story with you. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I had just finished my first year of college, and I was back here in Colorado during the summertime. I had lived in another country before I went to college, and I was picking up a friend from that country. We were going to go to Denver and get some breakfast and catch up. And so he, he got into the car, and I said, good morning. He said, good morning. And we start to drive, and the only way I know how to tell you is I, I started weeping uncontrollably. And not like the cool weeping, like, bro, I missed you. It's been like so. No, I'm like snotting. I pulled the car over and I'm like, I'm undone. Like, I, I can't even talk. And he looks at me like, are you okay, bro? And I was like, yeah. So here's what happened. He got into the car and I literally felt the Holy Spirit put his arms around me. He approved me and I had felt so much love that I really had never felt before. And I was just like, I was gonzo. And so I tried to tell him like, like the presence of God is here. Like God, he's in the car, right? And he laughed and was like, yeah, like totally, right? Just nonchalant. And I'll never forget, 19 years old, I remember he looks at me and he, he asked me this. He said, do you understand like what you carry with you? Do you understand, like, you carry the, the same thing. And I remember, like, looking at him, like, dude, I've never gotten in a car and someone just lost it because, you know, the presence of God was on me. But this is what happened. David will say in Psalms 23, you anoint my head with oil and my cup is literally overflowing. My friend was spending time with the Lord that morning. He got into the car and his cup was overflowing. It literally spilled onto me and it affected me. And so this morning... I would just love to look at the scriptures and figure out what does that mean for you and I as believers, as Christians? What, what does this look like to carry the presence of God? And I'm going to ask this question to you throughout the teaching. I want, you to, I want you to think about it. Do you understand what you carry with you everywhere that you go? Do, you, do we actually understand what it is we have with us? So Exodus chapter 19. Let me set the stage. Uh, the Israelites have been delivered from the hand of Egypt. They're camped around Mount Sinai. They were all actually supposed to go up and meet with the Lord. Moses is the only one that goes. The Lord uh, came to the mountain by fire, so there's smoke all around it. Moses goes up, and he's going to talk with God face to face, and the Lord's going to give him a word. And this is what happens in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 is where I'll start. It says this, Now therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God in this moment has just declared who his people are and what he wants them to be. His treasured possession among all people and a kingdom of priests. So I want you to catch this with me. God's original design for the people of Israel was for all of them to be a kingdom of priests. It was never intended for it to be separated and, and segregated out. But if you know the story, 
That's not what happens. You look at Exodus 32, the story of the golden calf. Israel completely defiles God. They build this false idol. They do what God told them not to do. They're worshiping this thing that's not God. And Moses steps into the scene and basically says, hey, anyone who's on the Lord's side, come to me. And the only group of people that came were the Levites. And because they loved and honored God, he consecrates them and he, he blesses them. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 1, verse 48. I know this is a lot of scripture. Uh, welcome to Vintage. We read lots of scripture here. Numbers chapter 1, uh, verse 48. We're going to be in Deuteronomy next. So if, you're, if you like to think ahead, you can mark that with your, with your finger. Numbers chapter 1, verse 48. It says, For the Lord had said to Moses, Do not include the tribe of Levi in the registration. Do not count them with the rest of the Israelites. Put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of covenant, along with all of its furnishings and equipment. They must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as you travel. They must take care of it and camp around it. Whenever it is time for the tabernacle to move, the Levites will take it down. And when it's time to stop, they will set it up Again, let me pause. God's original design was for the entire nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. Now he's given specific commandments, specific word to the Levites. Put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of covenant. What is that? Let's look at the original word in, in the Hebrew. It's Mishkan, and it means dwelling place. This is the place where God would dwell, where people would come to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. And it's now the priest's job, the Levites, to manage and facilitate this thing. So simplify it with me. What is the job of a priest right now? It's to set up and to tear down the place where God dwells. It's also to worship the Lord, but it's more than that. That's why we go to Deuteronomy chapter 10, because their job was actually to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God with them wherever they go. So Deuteronomy chapter 10, you guys okay? It's a lot. I know it's a lot. Um, verse eight, it says this. At the time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister and pronounce blessing in his name as they still do today. That is why the Levites have no share or inheritance among their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance as the Lord God told them. So there's three things right now that I see a priest does. The first thing is they worship God. They actually minister to God. They carry the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. And then they set up the dwelling place, the tabernacle for other people to encounter the presence of God. At this time, biblically, there were such strict requirements for you to be a priest. I'll just, let me read a few to you. Um, you must be a male, Exodus 28. Sorry, ladies, you have to be a dude. Um, you must be a descendant of Aaron with documented lineage. Sorry, guys, none of you in here fit that either. Um, you must be between 30 and 50 years old. Shout out to all the young people out there. I could not be a priest during this time. Uh, you must be unblemished, right? This is Leviticus 21. Must have a proper marriage. Again, Leviticus 21. Must have no uncleanliness like leprosy. Uh, Leviticus 22. Uh, you, this is my favorite. You must have an untrimmed beard with well-trimmed but unshaved hair, uh, Ezekiel 4.20. Um, you must be properly dressed. So what does this mean for you and I today? Because none of us in this room fit the requirement to be a, a priest during this time. And if you're anything like me, I, I just read all of these rules to you and you're like, yeah, not for me. Like, I just, I know. And that's what I think of when I think of a priest. Rules, requirements, dress funny, Talk funny, 
live in their own world. That is what I think of. But I just want to simplify it this morning. If we fast forward 1,500 years from this time in Scripture, Jesus came. He did ministry on the earth. He died on the cross. He actually stood in for all of those rules and requirements for you. He rose again. He told his disciples. He kind of sent them out. And First Peter chapter 2, Peter's actually going to quote what God told Moses on Mount Sinai, but it's, it's made completely new. So turn with me to First Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 5 and verse 9. It says this, Come and be his living stones, who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, But you are God's chosen treasure. See, now Peter's quoting what God actually said to Moses 1,500 years ago. You're God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He calls you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. So Peter is now quoting God from Exodus chapter 19, but Peter's not just speaking to Israelites. More than that, he's not just speaking to males between 30 and 50 with a well-trimmed beard, unshaved hair, you know, you know, dressed properly. That's not who he's speaking to. He's speaking to all Christians. He's speaking to you and me. I love the word. He says, you're God's chosen treasure. It's the same word God used to Moses. The Hebrew is segula. It means a special treasure or possession. It's used to describe guarded wealth, indicating the placement of king's treasure in a safe, protected place because of its extraordinary value. It's absolutely beautiful. And then Peter seems to ruin it because he says, oh, by the way, you're priests who are kings. And if you're like me, or if you've ever looked at Western culture and a priest, it's not painted in this beautiful thing. Go ask a kid what he wants to be when he grows up, and most kids aren't going to say, I want to be a priest. But Peter's saying that we're priests. I'm just asking, will you simplify it with me this morning? Will we look at what Scripture actually says a priest is designed to do? You worship God. You minister to him. You carry his presence with you. And then the other job of a priest that most people don't catch is you actually set up a place for other people to encounter God. Here's the catch. The tabernacle no longer exists. The temple doesn't exist anymore. Peter says that you are the dwelling place of God. You are the person now that God has chosen to dwell inside of. Can I just ask the question again? Do you understand what you carry with you everywhere that you go? Have you considered that you've been placed wherever you're at for a very specific reason? And it's more than just to be the best at your job or, or to be excellent. I think that's part of it. But in every season, you get to carry the presence of God with you. And because you're the dwelling place of God, it actually affects other people. That was the job of a priest, to carry something with them. You get to carry something with you. In the Old Testament, 
unbelievers, pagans, people that did not honor or believe in God, they understood what a priest carried with them. Will you turn with me, 2 Kings chapter 17. You thought we were done with scripture. We're not. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 24. The story is, is, is blowing my mind. It says this, the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Cathua, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvim, and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. They took over Samaria and lived in its town. When they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord. So he sent lions among them, and they killed some of the people. It was reported to the king of Assyria, the people you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria do not know what the God of that country requires. He has sent lions among them, which are killing them off because the people don't know what he requires. I want you to catch this verse, verse 27. Then the king of Assyria gave this order. Have one of the priests that you took captive from Samaria go back and live there and teach the people what the God of that land requires. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria came to live in Bethel and taught them how to worship the Lord. I want you to catch this with me. A, a pagan king who does not follow what God has, has been teaching, doesn't obey the Lord, his solution to the lion problem, which by the way, just think about this. Physical lions are eating people. Could you imagine walking in old town and like lions just jump out and start eating people and you're hiding in a store? Like it's a movie I don't want to watch. It's like a bad, like horrifying movie. And the king of Assyria, who by the way, governs a massive military, could have been like, dude, send my top 50 soldiers with some cool weapons and like take out these lions. It's happened before, it's no big deal. His solution to the lion problem, send the priest. What? That is insane. I want you to grab something with me. We don't have a physical lion problem uh, in, in northern Colorado. Thank the Lord. Uh, hopefully we don't, at least. Um, but a couple, a couple of chapters later in 1 Peter, First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be well balanced, always alert, because your enemy, the devil, roams around insistently like a roaring, looking for its prey to devour. Church, there are people that are surrounded in this city that are being devoured today by lions. And do you want to know my suggestion for the lion problem? It's not to call the police and say, hey, can you come help us like send the SWAT team? No, I think the answer to the problem in our city is send the priest. That's you. That's me. That is us. I think the idea of priesthood was actually designed for our city, not the church. I don't want that to offend anyone. I just want you to hear me. Look at scripture. There was a lion problem in the secular city back then. And the solution was to send the priest. You carry the presence of God with you. It is designed for the places that you would least expect it. Think about it for a moment. Think about the people that you come in contact with every week. Business meetings at CSU campus. Extended family with the weird uncle. I don't know. Just think about the people. You carry the presence of God with you wherever you go. And it affects other people because you're the dwelling place of God. Do you realize what you carry with you?
I think that this will be the tipping point in Northern Colorado for us. I, I really do. When a group of people will actually say, oh, it's more than just Sunday. I don't just, I don't get my fix on Sunday and then go throughout my week. I think it's a people that are willing to say, I am the priest. I am the person. Because by the way, that's the only person that gets to do it. You get to worship God. You get to fill your cup so full. You get to carry the presence of God with you. And rooms and atmospheres change because of what you carry with you. That makes it way more fun because church can be so boring sometimes, you guys. <laughs> hear me, hear my heart so well. I love Sundays. It's amazing. But can I just tell you, Sundays are always going to be awesome. Always. Worship's only going to get better. We're going to see signs and wonders. The water level is rising. We're always going to see these amazing things. And we get to come together with, as a community and worship the living God. But do you understand that tomorrow when you go to work and you're surrounded by people that do not experience this on a Sunday, you are the priest that carries the presence of God with you. And it changes people, man. I don't want to be a people that just did church on Sunday and it was awesome. Like church, it is awesome. It's phenomenal. I just want to be known as people like where guys will come up to you and like, like maybe in your business place and you're like, hey, um, what do you have? Like, cause I, you're, you seem to have something that I don't. And you're just like, oh, man, I, I just spend time with the Lord. I don't know. Like I just read scriptures and it like, I'd see him and I can't believe that, he came for me like, when was the last time that you were in your kitchen and you invited the Lord or you were reading scriptures or you had some music on and you just completely undone because you're worshiping him and he showed up and you realized, oh my goodness, like this is here. Or when was the last time you saw a problem in the city? And your solution to the problem was, I'm the priest, uh, I worship the Lord, I actually get to carry the presence of God with me, and my overflow, I'm the temple now of God, will change the problem that's happening. My prayer is that you would begin to think of people right now that you come into contact with every week. People are just, just randomly come to your mind. People that you know need this. Do you want to know the solution? Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Let's just make it so simple. The reason when I was 19, my friend got into the car and I was so affected by the presence of God was because he was just spending time with the Lord. He told me he went on a long walk that morning and enjoyed looking at the mountains and worshiping God. You get to change the environment everywhere you go. Would you grab that this morning and realize you're the dwelling place of God? He lives inside of you. David couldn't even contain himself. He's like, my cup is overflowing. I don't even know what to do. Man, what would our city look like if we bought into that idea? You carry the presence of God with you. You are the dwelling place, which is for other people to actually encounter the Lord.